Welcome to the podcast of Do You Know the Mob? I'm your co-host, Sam Braden. I got my uh, wife cooking dinner. My dog is driving us crazy. And I got my one and only co-host. Hey, right it's Brandon Ellis, folks. I don't know. I can tell Sam is living the married life right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, one of my our friends, Brandon, he was saying the other day, he's like, man, Sam, you... uh." You're just living the dream. You got married. You got a dog. You have the white picket fence. And I was like, well, my fence isn't white, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will say your housing situation definitely improved dramatically when you got married as well, too. So <laughs> that's right. No more living in month to month. I, I have been known to live in cheap places. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> hey, I'm, I mine did, too. I actually now don't have posters on the wall. So I, that's right. I, I remember Jim Gaffigan saying in his bit once, I'm a simple guy. All I need is a bed in a in a uh, in a private jet. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I've got the bed, but the private jet I've been working on. <laughs> I have to work a long time on that. I'm, bad boy. I'm a simple man. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, we're glad you are here with us. We're excited for the episode today. Brandon, I've uh, been working on a little project. I'm hoping someday I'll be able to advertise it on the podcast. But I've been working on a board game. I've been creating a board game. Oh, yes. You know, for good or for bad. But it's got some history to it. Nothing about the mob. But mm. I had to tell you, I learned about how we got the word or the food item, the sandwich. Have you heard about the sandwich? Lord Sandwich, when he was playing a card game mm-hmm. back in old England... Eat a piece of bread with some meat, right? Brandon, I tell you folks, I promise, we do not rehearse. We are not that good of a podcast. Um, yes, that is correct. He is was a gambler, and he was the Duke of Sandwich. That was where he resided, and he did not want to get up from his poker game, so he asked for uh, a piece of meat between two bread, and that's how he got the sandwich. So pretty wow. funny. When, do you know, when was that, Sam? I couldn't remember it. Uh, you know, that's a good question. I think it was like 1400s, I think. Oh. Yeah, it was a while, a long time ago. I think. <laughs> Don't hold me to it. Um, and then, you know, I was learning other stuff. Again, hopefully I'll be able to announce the board game, uh, someday, but we're still in the very beginning prototype stages. But, um, another one was like the toilet is named, you know, over, I think in England, right? They call it the John or, you know, have you heard of it? It's called Hello? John. Yeah, John um, John was, like, the person who founded it or uh, created the toilet. And then there was a guy named Thomas Crapper that had to do with, the like, flushable toilet. But I looked it up. Crap does not come from his name. It's just a coincidence. Oh, <laughs> my I'm like, God. I'm like, how can that be? I mean, you know. <laughs> hey, so. when it was meant to be, it was meant to be. Good old John and Thomas Crapper. But anyways. Enough with the toilet jokes. We will get started. Brandon, uh, you know, Spy Guy hit us up with a good email of some buried treasure and such. But before we do that, before we talk about what's important in the mob world, we got to do our trivia. So I want you to name for us, Brandog, the top ten most popular sports in the world. In the world. Most popular, popular sports in the world. We haven't done this one yet, have we? We have not. Now, here's my question for you, Sam. What qualifies mm-hmm. a sport? Because this is a divisive conversation. I mean, mm-hmm. 
Well, the bars, I, people are debating this all day long at Barstool Sports. Well, if I may say an inappropriate joke here, <laughs> my grandpa used to say, uh, if I wanted to watch soccer, I just take 11 of my best friends and see who could score at a bar or something like that. Oh my God. <laughs> Making a joke about how hard it is to score at soccer. <laughs> um, so Brandon, I think the sports that would be controversial are probably not ones you have to worry about because they're not that popular, but you can feel free to fight me on them. But, uh, in my opinion, if you want the Sam Bratton answer, to me, sports requires, um, physical activity, competition, skill, uh, and strategy, maybe. Yeah. So I'd say, you know, combination of those things, but that's just, that's just me. So don't, don't hold that to the, to the, to the, um, Webster's dictionary, but. All right, Brandon, give us your best top ten. How do we got for that uh, slicing of the hairs? Okay, that's we're right. start out with football. But when I say football, I mean everywhere else except the United States. Football. Basketball. Okay. Baseball. Um, okay. Hmm. Remember world. Yeah, I know. That's the part that I'm trying to remember. Um... Polo, that seems like a popular thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, world. You know, I'm just going to be fair to the United States. I'm going to throw football and the American football in there, too, sure. just to throw something else in there. They're playing I'm, the games in Lung, London and, uh, you know, in Germany now. So, Oh, know. rugby. Come on, rugby. Oh, there it is. I was going to say, come on, there's another one in there that should be obvious. Um, Cricket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Tennis. Mm-hmm. That's two. I got two left. Tennis does seem very respected in much more other countries than the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, because of live, I'll just go with golf as well. Um, live. <laughs> yeah. See, I mean, that's not like okay. There's some more for it. Yeah. Uh, my last one. Let's see. Mm-hmm. I usually throw a wild card in there. You do like um, the wild cards. I do like the wild rodeo. Oh, Brandon, your Oklahoma's coming out of you. <laughs> it is. It is. I'm wearing my Oklahoma oil gap right now, so. Well, Brandon, you did a pretty good job. You'll have to count how many you got correct here. But number 10 is uh, golf. So okay. you got that right. Snuck it in there. Number nine, rugby. So good job. Oh. Number eight, baseball. Number seven, my personal favorite, basketball. Number six, you're going to be surprised, but then you won't be, table tennis. Yeah. Because yeah, you're I didn't, right. You're right. Yeah. That got well, me. China has so much population, and they're big well, into it. I'm thinking Forrest Gump was yes. an ambassador <laughs> for America <to> China. <laughs> um, number five, this might surprise you, but volleyball. volleyball. Really? Yeah, I think uh, – Volleyball either started or was really big in Brazil. I think it's pretty well represented beach and indoor volleyball in other countries. You forget to watch the Olympics, which, by the way, shout out to 2024 Olympics here. So. It is right around the corner. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Number four, tennis. Number three, hockey. You missed hockey. Huh? I thought about the hockey, but I was like, there's yeah. no way it's that popular. Just enough Man. of those cold uh, countries uh, play it. Um, number two, cricket, and number one, soccer. So, Brandon, did you knock out eight or uh, I I uh, seven? 
seven maybe. I mean, I thought- you missed table tennis and you missed volleyball and you missed hockey. So yeah. seven. There you I go. Feel pretty good about myself. <laughs> you should feel very good. proud. I'm I'm very proud of you, Brandon. It's almost like I did sports. 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 Well, great work, Brandon. So today we've got, and you know what I like to call the OG, one of the OGs of the the American mobster world. Satan himself, folks. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Um, So we're going to be doing the one and only Dutch Schultz. Dutch Schultz. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I think he had influenced or mentored our first episode, John Dillinger. So he's been around the block, and we're just now getting to him. So. Well, yeah, he has definitely popped up in an episode or two. Oh, yeah, for sure. Getting his hands everywhere. So Dutch Schultz, the nickname I found for this one, I think he had a couple different ones. One of them was like the Baron of the Bronx or something. But I'm going with the Dutchman. The Dutchman. Was he the Dutch- Flying Dutchman? Dutch, the Dutchman Schultz. <laughs> Dutch. Um, so his real name actually is not even close to what he's known as now. And we'll get to why that is. But his name is, his born given name, his mo- mother's given name to him, Arthur Simon Flegenheimer. <laughs> Very close. Um, yeah. He was born on August 6, 1902 in the Bronx of New York City. And as you can tell by his name, Brandon, he was from a Jewish German immigrant family. Um early on we can track why uh Schultz might have had a uh got into what he got into. His father abandoned the family. <laughs> That'll do it. And That's his it. mom his mom divorced him. So uh Arthur dropped out of school in the eighth grade to help support his mother and young sister, which, you know, that's very admirable, I'd say. Respectable. Uh, yep. But as they say, you're, you become who you surround yourself with or the environment you're in. Uh, so he took, he worked various jobs and then he joined the Schultz Trucking, uh, company in the Bronx around 1916. So that's where we kind of get, get his name. Uh, he would work there for the next three years. Working in the slums of the Bronx, he started his criminal career with petty burglaries and theft. This led to his arrest at the age of 17. He went to prison for burglary, and he served 17 months. You know, I like to think 17 months would change me. <laughs> but uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of time. Repeat offenders seems to be a common theme uh, in jails and prisons. But <laughs> um, but uh, so he was released from prison in 1920. He returned to work at Schultz Trucking. Went right back to where he was. <laughs> um yeah, what could go wrong? Uh, oh, good. This was the start, as we've talked about, Brandon, the Prohibition era. Uh, the shipping company began smuggling liquor and beer into New York City from Canada. Uh, during this time, he began associating with known criminals and started going by the name Dutch Schultz. Uh, oh, and the reason, the reason for this. Flagenheimer was too long for the newspaper headlines. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's very good. You know, it is common we have seen nicknames having a lot to do with the newspapers at the time, the media, when they get a hold of these mobsters and their stories. So You need a trendy name that can catch on. It's like, it reminds me of the Spider-Man movies, the, mm-hmm. the newspaper. He's like, the Spider-Man. Is he, 
is he evil or the devil or whatever? So some of the criminals he came into contact with were organized crime bosses, such as Lucky Luciano. Ono. Also, we need to do Jack Legs Diamond. Legs is his nickname. Mm. <laughs> um, after a disagreement with Shutch tr- Trucking, he left and went to work with these Italian competitors. Okay? In the mid-1920s, Schultz went to work as a bouncer at the Hub Social Club, a small speakeasy in the Bronx, owned by a gangster named Joey No. Brandon, I know you're a fan of the speakeasies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would you have been... Would you have been rubbing shoulders with these classy uh, mobsters if you were living in the 1920s? <laughs> well, I mean, it was illegal, but every once in a while you need to need to wet the whistle, you know. <laughs> you need to you need to have a nice glass of scotch. <laughs> scotch, 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 scotch. I love scotch. The two of them soon formed their own gang. Okay, so these two were tight: Joey No and uh, and Dutch Schultz. They opened up more illegal drinking joints around the Bronx and ran bootlegging operations for New York City bars. The pair were also coercing rival establishments to buy from their gang. Uh, at one point, Schultz kidnapped and tortured a saloon owner who refused to buy from him. That's one way to make sure uh, your customer – That's that doesn't seem like the customer is always right attitude. <laughs> I'm just going to say it, but um, – what it is. <laughs> Afterward, the No Schultz uh, gang, No N-O-E, uh, met little opposition as they expanded. Their operation forced in the Bronx. The pair saw plenty of opportunities across the river in Manhattan. They soon expanded their operations and moved their headquarters to Manhattan's Upper West Side. However, uh, by moving, this led to a bootleg war with the New York's Irish mob, led by Jack Legs Diamond, in retaliation for invading his territory. Diamond ordered a hit on Joey No. Uh, Joey No was gunned down. He died a month later from this hit. This crushed his losing friend. Dutch Schultz retaliated, of course, by mm. killing Diamond's close associate, Arnold Rothstein. We've done Rothstein, haven't we? Yeah, okay. Yeah. This story's connecting. Another it's all coming back. If we could have done the podcast all over again, we probably would have been more organized, but that's okay. We Jumping around is fun, too. They've done a 10-person series on it, but hey, we're good. Yeah. Um, So this was, you know, Rothstein was a kingpin in the Jewish mob. So this is a big deal. This is 1928. By this time, Schultz was supplying speakeasies in the Bronx with $2 million worth of alcohol. It was bringing large profits. He was also clashing with the gangs, as we've seen, with bootlegging enterprises growing. In 1930, one of his enforcers, who we have done, Vincent Cole, Demanded to be made equal partner. Remember that, Brandon? <laughs> I do remember that, actually. I feel like Schultz was the beginning of a lot of this. Um, mm-hmm. So Schultz refused. Cole formed his own crew with the ultimate goal of murdering Schultz and to take over his territory. Because, uh, you know, what else do you do when you're working for your boss and you want out? You know, I wanna, I'm going to start a competitor and try to kill him. So, <laughs> Well, it's interesting. I mean, just like taking a pause here, like how many of the people we've talked about before are intersecting right now in this story? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, this led to another bloody gang war. Cole was killed. Vincent Cole died. Uh, reportedly members of Schultz's gang, um, by, by people in his gang. In the meantime, Jack Legs Diamond had also met his bitter end. And this was reportedly because of Schultz's, uh, members as well. So Schultz is kind of winning in, in a sense. <laughs> in this mm-hmm. war. So, uh, but you know, it all comes back eventually. Uh, so by this point, the federal government began to pursue Schultz, 
who had entered into the illegal gambling market and to diversify his interest. He was extorting New York restaurant owners and workers. He would use strong arm tactics such as beatings and stink bomb attacks. That's a new one, Brandon. Stink bomb attacks. <laughs> I don't hey. know if that's kind of, kind of like, you know, having a rat in the kitchen, like stink bomb. Like, does that ruin your restaurant maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but it must have been a pretty bad smelling stink bomb. Yeah. <laughs> um, finally, the feds indicted Schultz in 1933 on income tax evasion. I feel like that gets a lot of them officers. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, you have to funnel money somewhere. That's right. The hard part is not making the money. It's how to launder it. <laughs> yep, how to make it clean. Mm-hmm. He spent months hiding out before finally surrendering in 1934. The following year, he was tried twice for income tax evasion. Now, the two juries, they convicted him, but the first one became a, or they couldn't convict him. The first one was a hung jury. Brandon, what's a hung jury? Yeah, a hung jury is a a judicial jury that cannot agree upon a verdict after extended deliberation and is unable to reach the required unanimity or supermajority. So hung juries usually result in the case being tried again. So this will make sense. Oh, so that's why there was a second one. And then the second one, he was acquitted. So (laughs) perfect. Acquitted just means they couldn't prove you guilty, right? Like you're you're. uh, Yeah, there wasn't enough. Evidence, evidence to prove you guilty because the prosecutor has to prove guilt. Yeah, yeah. Seems like a common thing with these uh, episodes we do. <laughs> yeah. So during these trials, Schultz's defense costs were high. And so to reduce the commissions, uh, this became called the Arthur Flegenheimer Defense Fund, which, you know, his real name was Arthur Flegenheimer. Brandon, what was this defense fund exactly? Yeah. So during this prosecution, uh, Thomas E. Dew is the prosecutor of Dutch. Uh, mm-hmm. It was over a legal policy racket. So Schultz's defense costs were super high. He'd gone through all these court cases, and it was adding up. So he actually reduced the commissions he paid to those running his rackets mm-hmm. to bolster what he called this defense fund. Um, so it kind of cut some people a little bit to pay for – to keep his butt out of jail. Oh, and this angered many of the other gang members. So this would eventually lead to his demise. <laughs> but, um, mm-hmm. Don't yeah. bite the hand that feeds you. <laughs> exactly. Um, I need to teach that to my dog. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this uh, angered many of them, and they had a mass protest meeting, and they declared – so basically it's kind of interesting, like meeting all, like what are we going to do about this? So – Schultz refused to meet their demands. His cash flow dried up, and the mobster was forced to back down. However, his actions permanently damaged his relationships with both the gang members and other associates. Uh, Luciano planned to take over the operations while Schultz uh, wanted the U.S. attorney Thomas Dewey dead. So Thomas Dewey kind of pursued his case. The oh National Crime Syndicate, unanimously, um, agreed against the idea with Luciano arguing that a Dewey assassination would be a massive law enforcement crackdown. So he was saying, back down, don't do this, Schultz. Uh, Schultz was enraged, said he would kill Dewey anyway, and walked out of the meeting. This was a mistake. (laughs) Afterward, the commission hired the infamous group Murder Incorporated to carry out a hit on Schultz. 
Brandon, I think we've mentioned Murder Incorporated several times. Could you tell us what they were exactly? Yeah, it's uh, folks, it was kind of surprising. We were talking about this ahead of the episode, and I, we were both kind of amazed we had not done a, a quick bio on them. So, mm-hmm. Murder Incorporated, or Murder Inc., was an organized crime group active from 1929 to 1941 that acted as the enforcement arm of the National Crime Syndicate. And again, a reminder on the National Crime Syndicate was a closely connected criminal organization that included the Italian-American Mafia, the Jewish mob, and many other criminal organizations. It wasn't led by a single person, but a commission that would put put out hits on people that endangered the National Crime Syndicate. So Mm -hmm. someone was infringing on their profits or could potentially out them. They put a hit out and get this person killed. Mm -hmm. So obviously, Sam, there's... You know, cloak and dagger because this is a mob organization. So some of the numbers aren't honestly known, but mm-hmm. numbers vary widely for how many people they killed. So mm-hmm. research this, I saw anywhere from a hundred to four hundred to a thousand contract killings. So I'll let you decide where in the middle of that you want to call. But the group was eventually exposed in 1941 by former member Abe Kid Twist Rails and the following mm-hmm. trials. Many of the members were convicted and executed. So this is where the story gets really interesting, okay? So keep in mind, Murder Incorporated. Dutch Schultz, whether he feared going to jail or was thinking he might die soon, he had a special airtight waterproof safe, and he made it into what was supposedly estimated $7 million in cash, bonds, and gold, okay? He and his personal bodyguard, he and his personal bodyguard, drove the safe, to an undisclosed location in Phoenicia, New York, and buried it. A few days later, he and his men were having dinner at a restaurant. Schultz went to the bathroom. Two guys from Murder Incorporated came in and shot all four people in the gang, including Schultz. What an unfortunate time to go to the bathroom, is all I got to say. Schultz and his men didn't die instantly, but hours or days later, they all succumbed to their deaths. Schultz mumbled a bunch about his treasure kind of disillusionedly before he died in 1935. His enemies tried finding the treasure, as you can imagine. And who knows? It is the mob. So you wonder if someone did find it. But supposedly no one found it. Uh, Schultz's uh, accomplished bodyguard kept quiet about the treasure for the rest of his life. And it's supposedly never been found again. So um, Spy Guy did do some interesting uh, research for us on reads we could do. So we'll have to do more about these treasures, but this is like one of the most what, you know, hidden unknown treasures that could be still out there. Who knows? So that's, it's really funny, Sam, because before this episode, I've actually heard, I've never done any research on it, but I've heard about the Dutch Souls mm-hmm. treasure. So that's interesting. For me, it's like you grow up watching national treasure or you go through your treasure or your, uh, uh, Treasure hunter phase, kind of like when I was a kid, I went through a spy phase, right? You got through a treasure hunter phase. And, but it's cool to think like there legitimately are like some treasures out there, you know? I mean, it takes a lot of money and luck to maybe find it, but. <laughs> well, I think it's the idea of like grabbing a shovel and digging something up. You're like, oh my gosh. No, I like the national treasure thing. It's like, it leads to another clue. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Benjamin Franklin said this. What could that mean? What could that? It's mean? in the old North church. It's a, it's a name. It's not a place. It's a name. Anyway, <laughs> um, 
Well, folks, thank you for listening to Do You Know the Mob. We do have our live one coming up. We're working on a date and a place, but we're thinking Johnson City in April, so we'll give you a heads up on that. And uh, But otherwise, stay tuned. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram. I'm your co-host, Sam Brennan. And this is Brennan Ellis. Signing off.